Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. Today's guest is Wendy Steele. Wendy, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited about this conversation. Oh my gosh, Susan, thank you. It's exciting to be with you. It feels like you've been on the calendar far too long, and yet time flew. Like this, it's sort of a uh, expectancy violation right there, where I'm like, "Oh, she's far out." <laughs> but here, that day has come, and I'm super excited. Wendy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh my gosh! Well, I'm happy to be with you, Susan. This is a fun treat for me. I am the founder and chief executive of an organization called Impact 100. Back many years ago, I realized that as women's roles had evolved over the generations, our philanthropy really hadn't. And so I created something called Impact 100 in order to remove the barriers women saw to their community giving. So I spend most of my time in the world of Impact 100 However, I am, on a personal note, happily married, blended family, five kids, um, and so life is, is really great. Well, let me ask you this question. So I, I would love to know more about, from the user perspective, what Impact 100 is about. So do you have a membership or let's say I'm, um, I don't know, do you have a membership? Is that what this is? Well, it can be. So um, Impact 100 is a philanthropic movement that's geographically based. And so, for example, uh, I was at the time when I created the model, I lived in Cincinnati, Ohio. And the concept is very simple. You gather at least 100 women. They each donate $1,000. They pool 100% of that money and offer it up to local nonprofits across five broad focus areas. So education, wow. environment, health and wellness, family, arts and culture. The idea would be that individually we can do a little, but together we can do exponentially more. And that women uh, often are not just fans of helping women and girls, but they really are all about building up the community. And so the five focus areas, when all of those are funded, when all of those are strong, your community thrives. So um, that was a concept I had in 2001. We gave away our first grant in 2002 of $123,000 which meant, of course, 123 women decided to join. Um, and from there, the word started to spread until by the end of last year, there are about 60 Impact 100 organizations around the U.S., eight in Australia, uh, one starting in New Zealand and two starting in the United Kingdom, who had collectively given away almost $80 million, wow. $1,000 at a time. Yeah. Oh my God. So, okay. So I make it a habit not to dig too deeply into my guests before we interview, because I want to sincerely show my surprise when I learn amazing things oh. that we're doing. This is so incredible. I don't think I've ever had, um, 
that is the most unique business model and how creative and innovative of you to have come up with this and look at the success you have. So, so many things are happening in my head right now. My husband is the CEO <laughs> of our city and there are issues that are top of mind in their mission, vision, and strategy issues like, you know, equity in the workplace or environment or, you know, all the things you talk about. How can I get this here? We need to talk offline because I, I would love to learn more and support your cause and help spread the word and the message. And I have a huge pipeline, as you might imagine, of women who can say yes and women who want to um, be able to say yes. So interested parties and, you know, actual decision makers and influencers. So I would love to learn more. This is very exciting. Um, I almost feel bad this time for not checking you out more in advance, but I do that on purpose. Uh, you're incredible. This is amazing. So you're, you're speaking to someone whose life is centered around um, raising women and lifting women up and creating equity in the workplace. So as you might imagine, this, this really perks my ears up. So I, I would love well, to help you in some way. You are so kind. And honestly, Susan, our missions are very aligned. Um, if you were to take a 30,000 foot view of the women who join Impact 100, anecdotally around the country, about half have never written a check to a single charity prior to joining Impact 100, written a check for $1,000, sorry. Yeah. Others, and so I call them newly minted philanthropists. Now, in that case, it might be that they had the capacity but they never did it. It might be that they gave smaller checks, or it might be that they surrendered their giving power, if you will, to someone else, to a yes. husband, to a father, to a brother, and, um, and, or they just, it sort of never occurred to them that they could be a part of the solution. The other 50% of the women who join Impact are what I call seasoned philanthropists. And by that, I mean they've given away at least $1,000 to a single charity before joining Impact, and yet they choose to become a part of the Impact 100 movement because they believe in the power of that multiplication and of bringing women together to really fund robust solutions. Um, and what we know to be true, which speaks to your empowerment and equity piece is that when women can see themselves as part of the solution, when they feel empowered to do more, they recognize that they are enough and they have yes. what they do can literally change the world. You empower her in a way that has implications, certainly in her charitable giving, but also in how she runs her household, what she does in the community beyond Impact 100, and then what she might do in the corporate world. Not just skills and leadership and that sort of thing, but discernment and, and yes. robust discussion and give and take and confidence and that general feeling of empowerment that comes along with all of those things. So what I see here is women who... Um, take they step into their own they find their own their own story they write their own story and then they tell it and they create their own narrative around this new empowerment they feel and and you made a great point so i know a lot of women who are really good people they're inclined to volunteer they might be inclined to cut a check 
they are overwhelmed with, with what, you know, what cause or where should I focus or, you know, or, or maybe uh, I'm involved in this other agency and they decide where it goes. Or maybe like you said, my husband, you know, gives our charitable giving or what have you. This is so incredible. I can see so many things around how it's empowering to women. That's the thing that appeals to me most. It's empowering to women, one, and then it helps a universe of good causes, two. Um, some others might see that in reverse, where the good cause is number one, but because of what I do for a living, obviously, um, I am very excited about the opportunity to feel in charge of your own story, to write your own narrative about yourself, and to feel good about that. Um, so many women suffer the imposter syndrome. They're like, oh, I don't know if I can. This is a way to shut that voice down and really take charge. Do something good with your, your money, your mind. Um, and this mm -hmm. is really great. I would love to talk offline with you about um, some things that are going on in my head and to learn more. I have tons of questions for you. But tell <laughs> me, this, this episode, really what I do with my Women in Business, uh, Wonder Women in Business podcast, is make it about the woman. So when women who are CEOs or whatever their level might be, they come on, they want to talk about their business or their title or their... I want to make sure that they don't do just that, that in fact, they talk about themselves as well, them, the person, not just them, the title or the company name. So let's not forget to talk about you. What made you think of this? What, what prompted you to come up with this amazing idea? Well, you know, I was probably a pretty unlikely founder. Um, I had moved to Cincinnati or I, maybe I should back up. I grew up in a family that we believed all of us were uh, responsible to leave the world a little bit better than we found it. And so we weren't, it wasn't that we were particularly wealthy. It was simply our, our value system, our code of ethics, is that if you saw trash, you picked it up. If you could help, you helped. And you helped by whatever means you had. And so as a result, whether I worked outside the home for a big company or whether I was self-employed or even when I was a stay-at-home mom, I always budgeted both the time and the dollars to continue to give back to the community. And whether that was through Junior League or, or volunteering at church or just helping out a neighbor, I always included that. And what I found is that the older I got and life gets complicated and, you know, you've got kids or you're traveling for work or, you know, all the myriad things that women juggle, that there were many women who simply didn't see themselves in the same way. And I knew that they were missing out. And that's really what prompted me to start this. But I had some pretty amazing role models Um my mother, when you talk about everybody's story, you know, I feel like most of us have turning points in our lives, you know, things that happen that, you know, from that day forward, you're just not the same. And in my case, when I was a young girl, my mother died and um, my dad was left as a single parent. And what I saw were neighbors, um, friends, moms, women from far and wide, women whom I didn't know well, I don't even think my, my family knew all that well, who saw our circumstance, saw my dad as a single parent with three girls, and they stepped in. 
And at first they stepped in with things like casseroles and, you know, nice notes and flowers and baked goods. And then they did more. You know, these were women who picked up extra shifts of carpool to get me to and from school, claiming that it was more convenient for them to drive because they had to be in that part of town anyway. There were those women who took me to buy my first formal dress for my first real date because my dad would have taken me to Sears um, and, and more. And when you have the really good benefit and privilege of having women surround you like that and be so helpful, so kind to really build a community, I think I looked at them and thought, when I grow up, I want to be as women. And since then, I've not only tried to do that uh, in my own way, but I've also continued to seek out strong women who know things I don't know and who can help mentor me and guide me along the way. Um, it's just, it's, I've been very lucky because when you look for something, you find it, right? I know, I'm sure you found that to be true. If yes. you're not looking, you might not notice. But when you look, you realize that you're actually surrounded by people who you might not learn from every aspect of their life and every choice they've ever made, but you can almost always take a nugget and say, that's a little piece right there that I want to incorporate into my work or in my life or my daily habits, whatever it might be. Um, and I think I've been a perpetual student of that, both informally, just with women I know, and reading, researching, you know, and doing as much as I can to learn from the great people that have come before us. So that's a sign of a wise woman versus a smart woman. Um, smart is great, wise is even better. I mean, the fact that you listen gives you the opportunity to learn more when you talk all the time and share only your messaging, you don't have the opportunity to learn anything new. Uh, so mm -hmm. I, I, that's, I, again, mind meld, that's right along the lines <laughs> of what I do and I teach and I believe and you're incredible. Um, I would ask you, what is your proudest professional accomplishment? But I, I think I can guess. <laughs> but if you'd like to talk more about that, I'd be happy to listen. You know, I think you can guess the the best way I can sum it up is when I meet a woman whose life has been profoundly affected by this crazy idea I had in 2001. That that is the sort of thing that just stays with me. I love it. I love it. So yes, you are. Um, a lot of people have great ideas. They implement them. They make money. They move on. They just continue to rinse repeat. What you have done is created something that is not only a great idea and has a powerful impact, the impact itself keeps on giving and changing the world one after the other after the other uh, in new and different ways. And that, my friend, is quite special, quite different. Um, I can't wait to talk to you offline. <laughs> my head is about to explode. Um, well, you are very kind, Susan. Thank no, you. I mean, sure. I am. I am. If my kind. children were on the line, they would tell you all the things that 
would contradict your your kind flattery so thank you well to be honest if my 19 year old were up yet and out of bed he might do the same so um i get it i get it let me ask you you mentioned your mom i'm very sorry that you lost her at such a young age that must have been quite impactful but bravo to your dad for raising three girls um that's quite a challenge um you know being a single parent already but having three children um, and three girls. I'm not sure how close you were in age, but I'm sure that was tough. And apparently he did a marvelous job, at least with you. Who might have been outside of your father an inspiration or maybe was a mentor in business or in your personal life? You know, both my maternal grandparents really stepped in in a big way. I, I My dad passed away in 2013, but I was always a quintessential daddy's girl. I thought he hung the moon. Um, but in addition, my maternal grandparents, um, they really went out of their way. The three of us girls are pretty close in age, and they would invite us to visit them one at a time. And they, they had this thing called, that they called an honored guest program. And so if it was my turn to be an honored guest, I think we only stayed for three days. And they literally would say that fish and relatives start to stink after three days. So these were, <laughs> these were short visits, but they were powerful. Um, they literally had a felt rabbit with gold glitter glue that said welcome and when we got home from the air, they would open the door to the house and insist that I walk on the red carpet first because they rolled it out for me. And it was literally like a two foot long piece of felt with glitter glue on it. Wow. Um, but then for the whole weekend or the whole time we were together, it was, you know, we ate the foods that I liked. We did the activities that I wanted to do. Um, I became a banker because my grandfather was a banker and for years told me stories of how he helped people and how his proudest accomplishment was he'd never foreclosed on anyone during the Great Depression and talking about working with people to achieve their dreams. My grandmother was this just gracious hostess, beautiful decorator, so kind and we worked jigsaw puzzles together and chatted and we walked the beach um, they lived in in south florida and so often i would visit them in their in their florida place and we would walk the beach and she would teach me about the shells and the dolphins and I the seagulls that. and so you know when i think about the biggest effects on my life and who i am today i could not do any of the three of them, my dad, my grandmother, and my grandfather, Justice. But those are the three people that I work the hardest to make proud and, and to, to follow in their footsteps. That is so beautiful. You know, so I was not, I was very close to one of my grandmothers and not very close to the other. But now that I'm older, I can appreciate the other. She, she was a businesswoman in the twenties. And mm. what I learned from her, um, didn't seem warm and fuzzy let's bake cookies like the other grandma my italian grandma was very warm and fuzzy but this particular grandmother taught me strategy like we would mm. play <laughs> you know not very appropriate for kids to play you know poker or canasta or um i love it yeah so I, I would hate going to her house because she didn't make cookies <laughs> with me like the other grandma. 
but now that I look back, I think I took a lot away from a lot of good away from those times where um, I learned dominoes. You know, go to the graveyard. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah, I didn't even think about that until this moment in listening to you tell your story that you try to take away something good from every relationship you have, and that one I never even paid attention to. And looking back, I am grateful. There are things I learned from her. Um, she was an amazing businesswoman. Uh, just she mm. worked at Chevron way back when, when women didn't do that. Oh my so, gosh, that's huge. Yes, I know. I need to start, you know, honoring that memory. So thank you for that. Thank you. Well, let me ask you this. You know, it's funny. Yeah. If I or one quick thing, Susan, it's funny yeah. you say that a few years ago, I sort of felt like I was giving so much credit in my mind, um, as well as if someone ever asked me the question like you did to my dad and my, and my grandparents. And I really, it started kind of being heavy on my heart that I never gave my mom any credit. And I spent time really unpacking like what I learned from her. And of course there's a long list, but I'm reminded of that when you speak about the grandmother that wasn't the cookie baker and wasn't that warm and fuzzy. It's like, right. you know, when we do pay attention to what they did, I think we'll realize how much of your um, career-minded grandmother yes. you have in you, as much as the soft book, you know, cookie-baking warm grandmother, and so how lucky you were to have two that were um, giving you different lessons. To be honest, I actually relate more with the business-minded grandmother. Um, the other grandmother was wonderful to visit her house. She did the crocheting. She did the cooking. She did the baking cookies. She, you know, was amazing and warm and wonderful. But I've grown up to be much more like the other grandmother, um, perhaps to my son's dismay. I don't cook. <laughs> I don't bake cookies. I don't cook. I'm not warm and fuzzy. And I've never, ever picked up a crochet needle. But um, <laughs> the two of them in the room together, it was so oil and water. It was hilarious to watch because they were very competitive with, you know, my father. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. It was interesting. So I love that you brought that back to my mind. That that's you're really engaging. You're fun to talk to. Um, you you have a great capacity for storytelling, which is a, a superpower, I might say. Um, oh, and I'm almost you. embarrassed to ask the next question because it's so obvious the answer, but, um, I personally believe in lifting women up and, you know, we all too often operate, not this woman, but many women all too often operate out of insecurity and hurt others just to make themselves look better or feel better. And that never pans out. So what do you think we can do? Um, outside of this remarkable business model that you already have going on, what can you, we do on a day-to-day -day basis to lift women in business? You know, that's a, that's a good question. And um, I, I think there are a lot of things we can do. And part of it is being a, intentional. It's deciding that it's our job to do it. You know, sometimes yes. we look at inequities of the world and we say oh somebody should get right on that why why don't they do it or why don't they change and it's like well look in the mirror because maybe we can start so i think deciding to do it and then i think and it's funny i just had a conversation with someone else about this you know the if we need to get to know those women we need to ask the kinds of questions that give us the answers of where they're going not our view of where they should go. 
you know, it's sort of the difference between the golden rule of doing unto others as we would have yes. them do unto us or the platinum rule where we do unto others what they actually want us to do unto them. Okay, um, hang on. I have to just, I'm, my jaw is dropped. I'm freaking out. This is, so I always say that, um, and I know I didn't coin the phrase platinum rule, but mm -hmm. we know platinum is finer and rarer and more um, appreciated than gold. And so when people say to me that, Golden rule. I remind them that truly, you know, if you are truly listening with empathy and not judgment, then you engage in the platinum rule. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. I love <laughs> that you just said that. That's so powerful. Um, I don't think, I think that that's become the golden rule has become so rote that people don't dissect it or unpack it and realize what it's actually saying. So when you say, Oh no, think about the platinum rule. And then you explain that people literally go, Oh my gosh, that's so much more powerful. And that makes sense. And you bet it's about the other person, not about you. Um, right. So that's beautiful. This is oh one of my favorite podcasts right here, right now. So <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, let me ask you, you've had a couple of deaths in your family when you were young, which I'm sure was a struggle. You've had, I'm sure, some struggles in starting this, what is now a remarkable cause in business. What perhaps is a challenge or setback that you have overcome? And if you're willing to share about it, can you tell us how? Yeah, um, you know, I'll tell you, for me, Impact 100 has it's always been my passion it's always i i believe that you know we we have a purpose and that doesn't mean our purpose doesn't change and evolve through our lifetime but i do believe we have a purpose and that impact 100 was it or is it for me however there were a lot of years you know if you pay attention to the impact model what it means is that when those women come together and they give their thousand dollars a hundred percent of it goes back in the community, which means every impact chapter is led by volunteers. It also means that for me, when I want to help impact 100 chapters to thrive, um, I was doing it on my own nickel, which oftentimes was more like my own penny. Um, and so my biggest regret, the biggest hurdle was you know, there were times over the past 18 years where my life with five kids, a divorce, a remarriage, um, you know, caring for family members, you know, all the other, all the normal life things that happen, Impact 100 didn't, you know, it, it didn't get always my full attention. It was my pro bono work. And I've always had to have sort of a day job that pays the bills and keeps the lights on so that I could support my impact 100 habit. And there were certainly years <laughs> in there where I was not as present or as helpful to the impact 100 chapters and leaders around uh, the globe as I would have liked to. And so I do look back on that and feel badly because they had to sort of um, make it on their own in a, in a bigger way than I think was probably fair. Um, I really couldn't see at the time how I could fund myself, meaning how I could afford to make Impact 100 my full-time vocation. And so I would tell you that I lacked the 
the confidence in the movement. I lacked the um, self-assuredness to ask uh, who can help get behind this movement and allow it to thrive. Um, and so I was, I was very lucky because by the grace of God, there was a woman who found out about Impact 100, not through me, but through one of the chapters, was so intrigued by the power of the model, she reached out to meet me. And when we met, um, most people, when they hear about impact, they say, oh, I want to start a chapter. This woman was the first person who, when she found out about Impact 100, she said to me, well, I understand the model and I think it's great, but Wendy, tell me how you actually make a living. And I laughed and I said, oh no, I've got this day job over here and that's how I make a living. I don't make a living from Impact 100. And she said, well, it's time we change that. And so, <laughs> um, right, right. Um, and so that is, you know, when I look back, had I not waited for someone to literally ring my phone to tell me that, had I done what I advise so many of the women that I mentor and work with, you know, to have confidence and to dream big and to follow your goal and, you know, all of those things. I was not, I didn't take my own advice enough. Um, and I think I was, I don't know. I don't like to think I operate from a place of fear, but I think that there was probably some of that um, and just not knowing the next right thing. So uh, it, it ended up that that woman did reach out and now we ask women and men and organizations to support the work at the movement level so that we can now support the work at the individual chapter level. Um, but it was a, you know, it was a little bit of a tough road getting there. I have to tell you, and again, most of this will be offline, but you are striking such a personal chord with me. People are like, you need to monetize some of what you do. And I'm like, you know what? You don't even know what I do for a living. This is what I do for giving because I publicize it so well and people share it so much that most of the public doesn't even know what I do for a living. So I might want to bend your ear um, and have you, you know, share a little advice with me that she shared with you on how to, to monetize what I do for a living and, and express, I'm mean, like, it's very valuable. It's very valuable but I'm doing it and others who do similar a disservice by not, um, you know, owning my story. Like I advise others to, and, you know, being unafraid to negotiate and say, this is worth this. I'm going to ask for that. You know, mm -hmm. so I think that I might suffer a little bit of what you suffered before this um, woman came into your life and helped you to, you know, uh, realize your value, if you will. So that's amazing. Oh. I need a her. Tell her to call me. <laughs> <laughs> so you are so fascinating. I, I normally ask my guests to tell us something surprising about themselves. Since I didn't know you at all before this, everything you have said has been a surprise <laughs> to me. And you're amazing. Like you're remarkable. Most women on my show are remarkable. Um, you are truly, truly among the top five most remarkable women I've ever had on my show. So Oh my gosh, you're very kind. Yeah, and I've had some pretty amazing women on the show. Tell us something surprising about you that people who know you may not know. Um, gosh, uh, let's see. Um, 
something surprising about me, I will give you two things. One, I cannot cook to save my life. I don't have a domestic <laughs> bone in my body. Same here. <laughs> um, and the other is that my husband and I are co-patent holders on the world's first duct tape dispenser. That isn't random. I don't know what is. <laughs> That's amazing. That's incredible. I can't even think I need new modifiers. I've just overused the word amazing with you. Um, how unique and how funny. That's funny. <laughs> it's random, right? Totally Very random. random. Um, I'm yeah. totally going to put that in the blog. So everybody who <laughs> listens to my show knows that I write a blog about my guests. So what I'll do is I'll put your headshot, your bio, but I also want some pictures that tell the story of you, the person, um, you know, outside of our headshots, we are women who do remarkable things and we are remarkable women. So pictures with your friends, family, doing the things you love to do most. Um, I know I won't see you in the kitchen cooking. <laughs> and that's okay. So um, whatever pictures you'd like to share. And then I'll sync the, the podcast into the blog. And I'll also share your contact information and everything I possibly can about your organization because it's terrific. But for those who don't read the blog and they only listen to the podcast, how can they reach you, Wendy Steele? Oh my gosh, you're so nice, Susan. Um, they can reach me by email. It's Wendy, W-E-N-D-Y, at impact100council.org. So that would be impact, I-M-P-A-C-T, 100council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L.org. Very nice. They can also, they can even reach me by phone, honestly. I'm the only person know who still will give out their phone number so freely um so my direct cell phone is 231-632-3588 and so they could reach me by phone or by email anytime that's hilarious because when you said and my phone i was thinking no one gives their phone out <laughs> I don't even answer my phone anymore but yeah that's awesome i'll put that in the blog as well wendy you are delightful Folks, thank you so much for tuning in to learn more about this remarkable woman. If you're feeling like I'm feeling, you want to know more about Wendy and Impact 100. Um, so stay tuned for the blog. And if you miss it, you know it'll be on my website uh, forever. So there you go. Um, thank you, Wendy, so much. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Susan. You are a joy. I, I am grateful for our time together. I, too. Have a good day, everyone.